Hey everyone, thanks for uh, thanks for downloading the podcast. Really appreciate it. I hope you're all well and um, managing to navigate your way through the uh, the sheer nonsense of um, well, I was going to say elections and whatnot, but actually the world. Um, I hope you're you're stumbling your way through and yourselves and your loved ones and your your family as well. Um, just um, in this episode, um, I've, I've I've got Dan Smith, an old friend and colleague, um, founder of. Fireworks, a uh, creative and marketing agency based in Bournemouth. Um, and I, I've known Dan quite a long time and I wanted to speak to him because, or get him involved because there seems to me this, this constant, constantly spinning Catherine wheel of nonsense, digital nonsense in the space at the moment. And instead of sparks flying off it, it's bullshit. And we all find ourselves, I think, um, a, a, a cult in this bullshit some of these sparks and this these bullshit sparks attached to us sometimes and we find ourselves going down paths that um that we know are not right but we kind of get wrapped up in it um and we let some of this kind of get stuck to us so i wanted to get down involved and, and, and kind of our conversation i hope is a balm to apply to those bullshit wounds um in terms of in terms of what's happening what's gone on and what could happen in the digital creative i suppose uh space um we are we talk about the lessons Dan's learned over the over the, the last well over 10 15 years around around managing and building an agency and also how he sees agencies uh, marketing and digital professionals uh, changing in the future um i apologize in advance for my voice now and on the podcast it's worse than normal because i had a cold um, and i'll come back to you at the end um, with, with a heads up on a few things that are going on at the moment so I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Right. Hello. Hello. Good Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, David. I'm very, very well, thank you. How are you? Living the dream and 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 all the better for speaking to you. We start, we, we um, just for the benefit of those listening, when I first started speaking to Dan, I, I was moaning about how it hasn't stopped raining and basically this is all about climate change. And Dan quite rightly said to me, let's not start off on a low point let's not start weather politics climate change or anything like that we can end with that i don't think it's a good way for you and i to start off a conversation with such a contentious statement to be made at the start yeah and that, I, I agree let's talk about brexit no okay maybe not no um, let's not do that so so who are you and and uh, why are we talking? So do you want to do a quick run through who you are? Oh, Most people word. listening will know who you are, but go on. Oh, my it. word. Okay, sure. Uh, so I'm Dan Smith, uh, Daniel to my mother and my wife, um, mainly when I'm in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, managing director of Fireworks. I set Fireworks up now oh, 12 years ago. And uh, we, we focus on three core areas, really, creative, uh, marketing strategy, and digital um other three kind of core sector focus areas of focus that we have as a as an agency um i guess our core uh core to, to our offering is really working with clients to understand their competitive advantage um and really pick that out for customers so that we can clearly define why someone should buy from them the feelings they're trying to engender and the responses they're looking to drive um and um, yeah, work with a mix of clients um, across the UK. Um, a scattering of those are in Bournemouth, um, London, and then slightly further afield. 
And I guess if I rewound my journey, you know, I was going back over the last 24 years, as I was just saying to you, Dave, before we started recording, um, I started my life as a, as a graphic designer, went to uh, the Arts College in Bournemouth, uh, leaving school, and then um, was very, very fortunate um, that my, uh, my uncle was a partner in an ad agency, a relatively small ad agency that was based out of Boscombe, actually. And um, we were, uh, you know, I used to go in there when I was sort of 14 years old and do work experience with my, with my mates were down on the beach of the summer holidays. I'd sort of spend my life in there and it really, I just absolutely fell in love with the entire industry, the idea of coming up with ideas and seeing those brought to life on blank pieces of paper. And so um, that kind of my, was always my inspiration. Um, probably from the age of 12, I've known what I wanted to do. And uh, I've got friends of mine who are in their forties that still have no idea what they want to do. I'm one of them, and and and, and oh, look at me being presumptuous and assuming I'm your friend. Um, that <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm one of them. So that, that's one thing that we've known each other quite a while. That's one thing that's always stuck in my mind about you. You have known that from a young age, right? I've known that from a really young age, yeah. And I've got um, yeah, like I say, uh, my uh, Elizabeth, who's my wife, you will say that very, very fortunate to do a job that. Um, has better to provide us with a relatively good living, um, but also something that you're, you're passionate about. And, um, you know, that's, I, I never really, I've just taken that for granted, really. But the more people I speak to who don't have that and they, they work because they're just doing it for money, um, that's, mm. that's quite interesting. And I appreciate that the, the, obviously money is a requirement, as, we, as, as you and I were discussing earlier, Dave. Money is a requirement. <laughs> um, if you're in business, my accountant would say you're in business to earn money. I've never looked at it that way, but yeah. So going back, I, I started um, my journey out. I uh, when my when I left, uh, well, when I finished my full time course, I started doing a part time course and had a bar job. And uh, my uncle phoned me up and said, "Actually, I'm looking to do a thing uh, over at the SPS Group in Ferndown, big organisation, kind of 100 plus people, turned over sort of in excess of 10 million, did print, logistics, software, and we were we were he was looking to come in to to run the kind of design arm." of that and so uh, he said do you want to start as a junior with me and I said sure that sounds fantastic and so there I was 18 uh, as a junior him and I working out of uh, their offices over in Ferndown we had we set up a little uh, we took out a little room uh, within the offices there and um, and there the journey began so um, you know uh, you know a lot of thanks to my uncle because without that break I um, you know, I most likely wouldn't be where I, where, where I am, uh, and and have got the foot to, to I'll say that mitigated level, but you know, uh, <laughs> get the foot in the door. And so, you know, the big thing I've always, you know, by by, when I speak to students as well, I kind of say, you know, in life you need, um, you know, hard work, absolutely hard work, talent. I think that's absolutely fundamental core, but a little bit of luck goes mm. a long way, mm. um, and getting that break sometimes. Um, um, can make all, all the difference. So, you know, as, as the adage goes, not what you know, but who you know, you know, mm-hmm. that, that played a massive part in my in my career journey. So, yeah, that was it. And we worked with a lot of large, you know, large kind of global and national clients. So L'Oreal, Sony, Vodafone, Mothercare, Harvest Furniture Store, you know, list kind of went on. Um, and because we were part of a large organization, we obviously had the the firepower to be able to go in and, and work on those sort of clients. We never led the campaign. We were always the below the line agency, which is uh, for those that aren't aren't kind of from that time. 
um, kind of was used to describe uh, the work that was done that was maybe more in-store communications or um, direct mail, those kinds of activities. So we started off in print. This mm. is 24 years ago. Internet suddenly was coming about and obviously then that kind of grew into digital. So I uh, ended up leaving, uh, like I say, in a, <clears throat> it was called Clockworks. I, I kind of helped with the name of that. And uh, I took over when I was 20 four from him because my uncle kind of wanted to take a bit more of a back step and I was was very very hungry then and so uh, I ended up then taking over the reins when I was 24 we I, I, I forced him to make it a separate company uh, of which I had a shareholding and then I left um, because we just had a, a complete difference of opinion about where the industry was going they wanted to kind of feed print machines I didn't have any control and mm. so I, I left and, and uh, under, under a bit of a cloud, as you can imagine, I've resigned mm. and uh, set up fireworks from, again, starting from a small little room in an accountancy firm um, on Paul Hill Road uh, called Stewart's. And, um, and there the journey began again. And that's where we met. Is that where we met? That's where we met. Yeah. So we had some office space. Uh, we, we ended up growing and uh, I was... Yeah, I brought my uh, one of my co-directors in the last place, and he left as well. I think the entire team ended up leaving over the space of a year. So we had 15 of us turning over about a million and then left. Uh, you know, after I left, it kind of fell apart a bit. Um, and, um, and yeah, so when, when, when we, we kind of grew and met, uh, I was introduced to uh, yourself through, at the time, IA Digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, and, I um, always I always find the story of IA why why IA digital and and the reason was is because um, for those who know the two people involved, um, the I would never want to be first. No, I know, I know, uh, and it I was know, because can, yeah. AI digital had already gone, wasn't it? Uh, exactly, AI was obviously was even then was a thing. So I got introduced to uh, Adam through uh, my wife, who was best friends with. Um, uh, with with Adam's then uh, uh, kind of girlfriend, and um, so we met. Uh, they had, we had an off a spare room, and we offered them, uh, you know, that room because we had it going. And obviously, you, you guys, you kind of joined the guys, and that felt like a long time ago now, Dave. Uh, but uh, it, it, ten years ago, was it, it was. Yeah, yeah, probably a bit more than that, actually. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and we we true. kind of hit and, it and off. It's... We hit it off. Yeah, we did. I think so. Yeah, it was good. It was. It, yeah, I was only talking about those. Those days only yesterday when we were we were kind of winging it and it was um, yeah it was it was great fun and I'm interested Dan because one of the thing one of the other things you've always that you said you said to me early when we met and it's always stuck in my mind and I do use it quite a lot and I've used it on this podcast a lot is you always said you've always said to me you didn't you didn't go to art college to become a millionaire and um, and to me clearly the creative and obviously I've had quite a few guys on here who are creative and they all share the same emphasis and focus as you which is you know you love the creative you love you love the art you love the the idea of the process of taking an idea from you from yourself and, t- and seeing it transform into something so with that in mind I'm interested on a personal level we've never said this I've never said this to you before so so how how did you balance this very creative and passionate desire to to create art you know, in inverted commas art, with this, let's be honest, you have to have a slightly, um, uh, you have to have a stronger ego uh, than I've got, certainly, because I couldn't think of anything worse than, than than running an agency. How do you personally balance the, in the early days, how did you balance those two things, you know, the art and the 
the passion and the, the kind of ego side? How did you balance those two? Because sometimes it can get out of control, can't it? Potentially? Uh, I think ego can get out of control in this industry. I, feel, I, I, I generally detest most, not most, a lot of agency owners are in it for the ego, um, which I'm not, you know. In fact, doing this kind of thing is very rare. I look at it as, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to put myself as the front and centre of the business, but I, but I have to. Because no yeah, one else this is, is going to do speci- that. By the way, this you is know. a specialist. This is a specialist podcast, and not in a naughty way. This is uh, like, absolutely. Goes, yeah. goes um, I, no one else is going to do it, right? So I think that's the thing. So I, I, yeah. I kind of when it was just my uncle and I in in the um, when we set up Clockworks, we no one else was there to do it, and so he wasn't that bothered about being person that's front and center he just wanted him and he's a fantastic illustrator by the way i mean i I could draw but he's like on another level um and yeah so i mean the 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 ego bit it wasn't necessarily it's not the ego bit for me in fact it's that that's the opposite Mm. for me uh i'd say um i mean everybody's got an ego to some degree otherwise you just wouldn't even worry about what you wore and shaving or anything else you know you would just say rock out and say this is me but um and i've met a few people like that um but, well, but, it could be could be could be argued that there's two of them leading the two political parties, main political parties. There, there, there could be to a degree, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what's driving, you know, what people's motivations are. But my motivation, I get well, the reason that, that the way I square it off is I'm when I was younger, I was incredibly I was split. I was probably driven by, much more by wanting to be successful, whatever success mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably the twenty two year old version of me, um, I love ideas and I love blank pieces of paper. Like you say, that is why I got into it. Not to earn money. I, never, I don't think, I don't think anybody goes to art college going, I want to be a millionaire. I don't think that, you know, if I go to business school and study stocks and shares, yeah, if I was just worried about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, the, 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 the reality probably is that no, I'm quite competitive as a person. Um, so I like competitive sports and I like, um, I permanently, um, well, I don't like resting on my laurels. Um, and that's a good and a bad thing um, over the years. But I would say that um, there's a commerciality, obviously, to running a business, which you can't avoid. So if, you, if you're in this industry and, you're, and you want to run a relatively successful business, um, then you need to be commercially minded. You know, you can't, there's no point just doing something um, not to make a profit um, because you could just be a really busy fool. Um, and so it's something that I've guess I've had, I've always had it deep down inside me, but it's not as, 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 as I quoted the, the first time I heard, I did the audio book and I heard about the, the shoe dog oh, the audio book, yeah. which is the guy that kind of, um, founded Nike. And he, he says a comment at the start, which I completely abide by, which is, it's not about the winning for me. It's just about not losing and that. Mm fear of losing mm. uh, that that lack of complacency that i have i have no complacency at all i kind of almost think you you know whenever you get complacent that's when you're going to lose big time mm. um and so that's what drives me i've got i've always had that deep down as a thing um mm. and maybe it's a lack of confidence or a lack of um self-belief maybe but that that i'm never I don't feel I've ever cracked it, mm. and, um, that's what, and that that's what, and that's yeah. what drives me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, so, so okay. This this is a this is a <laughs> this is a rather obvious um, kind of uh, question and one that that psychologists use all the time. Um, but say, uh, and we're kind of we'll, we'll talk about what lessons you've learned over running, you know, running an agency for for a, a, a you know very significant length of time. But if you sitting here now as as shall we say, Daniel, a man. Uh, uh, in his in in his uh, forty, you're not forty yet, are you? Forty two, forty two, just turned forty two. You don't three look days, it. Four days ago. Oh, thanks have... so much. Thank yeah, you, you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, someone actually said to me. <laughs> someone said to me the other day. Someone said to me the other day something I have not heard for about fifteen years. Okay, I hadn't seen him for a while. Bear this in mind. He said to me. We went out for lunch. He said to me, "My God, you look well." And I was like. <laughs> Yes, um, I, I, I think you look, you've grown no. into yourself, haven't you, Dave? I've always said, you, you know, you, you've grown I've into yourself. I've always been, I've always been old, then, and and now I'm just now I am getting there. It's kind of like okay, um, David Mitchell said the other week that he has always been middle aged, and now he is middle aged. He feels entirely comfortable with himself. Uh, I completely and, agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's something in that. But but what I'm interested in is is so so. 42 now, you've been running a business successfully, it has to be said, Dan, I'm paying you a compliment for, for quite a few years now. Um, and in a market that is changing probably beyond recognition um, and customers and clients and awareness that is constantly moving, constantly changing. If, if you were having a conversation with yourself when you started Fireworks or when you were starting out on Clockworks, what kind of bits of um, advice or things to watch out for or things to be be aware for would you have said to Dan Smith all those all those years ago that you learned over the last few years? Oh wow, what a question yeah. that is! Hindsight, yeah. isn't it? A wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what would I say to myself? I don't know. It's mm. really hard because I think sometimes the the things that uh, oh my word. Um, There's always one of these questions in every podcast, by the way. I always ask is, a question like this in every podcast. Is there okay? Uh, I, yeah. I I I um because I'm always I'm interested. So I'm always because of the market we're in. There's there's a very fine balance I think between uncertainty of what the future holds, what the market looks like, what clients are going to do, and and this transition into fear, being scared of what's going on. And when I think when you get scared of stuff as a business. Or as an agency, or as an agency leader, is when you start making mistakes. Yeah, you can do. Yeah, um, I I think um, if I if lessons, I guess lessons that I could learn are mm. I, I have a lot of regrets about the time that I I resigned. Mm. Ultimately, I didn't resign, but I I, I let, when I left Clockworks. Um, Ultimately, I, I, the reason I left is because I wanted to. I wanted to have more control, and I never really sat down with the whole team. I sat down with my uncle and with Gavin at the time, and I kind of explained that I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a chat with the guys, and if it doesn't go well, I'm going to go. Hmm. Um, and at that point, I didn't have any kids. Um, I wasn't married, hmm. and so my level of exposed risk was relatively low. Hmm. Um, I guess I've done a lot of hours over the years. Um, mm. I mean, I've sacrificed a lot, mm. a lot of time and a lot of things that I'm never going to get a chance to get back. If I could mm. go back even to myself, even if I could talk, I want to talk to myself now, if anything, and say <laughs> two things. One, well, if, I go, if I could go back 
If I go back 12, 13 years, I'd probably sit down with my entire team and say, look, guys, this is the situation. I want to tell you all about it. And I didn't do that. I can't, I just talked, yeah. I just talked to my co-directors at the time and said that this is, this is how I feel about the situation. Uh, and yeah. it's not, it's untenable as it is. We're not in control. And, uh, and so if I could change one thing, I'd probably have sat down with my wider team and explained to them in more detail what's going on. Um, and I think a big lesson was that probably my communication could have been better and should have been better. I think my, mm -hmm. my biggest criticism of myself is I don't think I'm a particularly good manager um, interesting. Of, of people. Um, I think I can inspire people to do stuff and I can be, and I can hold people to exacting standards. But I think that a manager, a manager and someone who sets a company up, I think can be very, two very, very different people. Great um, yeah. And, and I think that I think I wish I'd brought in more structure in some degree earlier on in my career um, within the team that we had to, to kind of help with that um, and be a bit braver with some of the decision making. Um, I think that, again, I've always led life a little bit like uh, I wouldn't bet the farm on stuff. I kind of do uh, relatively light bets. And I think you know, you're only as good as agency as the people you've got. And sometimes I think we just made some really poor, um, some, some not poor. I think we just didn't go with maybe the, the bigger hitter because we mm. were conscious of what that would do as an overhead structure to the company and the, the burden that would cause. So there's some things there where I think I would make some different decisions. If I say now, the biggest thing I would say to people is, you know, I say to my team, this, this industry is so time consuming and the amount of time you have to plow, plow in. And I know I'm speaking to other agency owners and people who run some of the decent agencies. I, you know, the time that they invest, the amount of hours that people work is just relentless. Mm. Um, and I've missed a lot of my kids already growing up. Mm. You know, I've missed a lot of that. Um, mm. And they get the worst version probably of me. They get the mm. tired, shattered, um, you know, drained quite down version of me at times. And I won't necessarily be the one, I'm not picking them up after school. I'm not dropping them off even in the morning. I'm kind of just work is all consuming. And my priorities is almost like works number one, mm. then my wife, then my kids. And mm. I guess sometimes it's just getting, I, if I could go back and give myself some advice, I'd be saying, look, actually just make sure you don't lose sight of that balance. You know, family, when you when all's done and dusted, yeah. We're looking to, to leave this this uh, this place and go wherever the next journey leads us. I think, you know, family is the thing that, that will be there with us, not the work that necessarily we have done. Um, interesting. I couldn't agree more in terms of the, the, the sheer time that it takes to, to not even be a success, but keep your head above water in the industry. And, I, and, I, and I've always said I admire your... I, I, I know very few people who work as hard as you and um, the amount of times, you know, you you were still there at, at seven, half, seven, eight, later than that. Um, and I think that it's interesting. I, um, similarly, like you, I've, I've, I've a few, uh, oh, considerable number of regrets, but specifically, you know, I, I should have left Greenwood Campbell earlier. Um, because I got to this, I was in this very. I was having the same discussions with myself that you've just you've just outlined. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't uh, at home. I wasn't seeing anyone. I was. It was the worst version of me, and um, I, sh I should have, I should have left earlier. Um, 
and, and I suppose that's kind of one of the reasons why I've I've never since then and why I admire those that do I've never I've never had the I've never had the desire to to to, to run an agency um, uh, whether that's whether that's as a leader or as a manager and I think that's a very interesting distinction um, I, 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 I think the other yeah. thing for me Dave is I'm not entirely sure I necessarily do have a desire mm. to do that but no one mm. else is going to do it in the way that mm. I want it to be done you want it to that makes sense yeah. I want you know controls a massive wonderful thing isn't it and mm. so I, you know I'm not saying that I, I didn't have any probably when I was younger in my career I was much more career-minded mm. and I was much more driven that I wanted to be in complete control of what's in making the decisions but you know what it's not everything it's cracked up to be you know as they see the adage goes and it's lonely at the top and it really is and it's relentless as well you know you can't just go on holiday i remember going on my honeymoon and taking my laptop with me and working it's like going it's just nuts i had a team at that point you know i had there was 10 of us in the office i was and i was doing that and i'm thinking you know that's what sacrifices are you happy to make in your career i think the big thing other than this and i would probably say to myself which just popped in my head is probably spend more time talking to my team Mm. on a one-to-one level you know i really i really don't do that enough um and i think if i could go back and say look i realize sometimes the benefit of just taking 20 minutes out and just having a chat with somebody i'd say to somebody you know you're doing a really good job i kind of take i take it granted that people do a good job Mm. i kind of say it's a it's kind of for me it's like a given so when I was just starting out, I wouldn't expect someone to say, you're doing a really good job. I just got on with it. But actually, I realized I'm not the same as a lot of other people. And sometimes it helps just to say, look, how are you getting on? How are you feeling? What kind of, you know, you, by the way, you're doing a really good job here. Well done. And mm-hmm. doing that, doing that in, in a regular way, rather than just saying it once, maybe every six months when you suddenly got a spare two seconds and you go, oh, yeah, just by the way, that was, that was really good. That stuff's really important, I think, for for people to hear um, and, and it's important for development and it's important also to give feedback both good and bad you know mm-hmm. um, rather than getting pressure so there you go that's 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 my lot there it's interesting it's that it's that balance isn't it between well you, you hit the nail on the head maybe in the earlier days taking a bit more of a risk on people that were a little bit more uh, well-rounded maybe more senior who maybe would have challenged a little bit more um uh but hi- you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing but uh, and i've certainly been in that position where you know you, you think that person may have uh taken us off on a different angle which we don't know would have been right or wrong but it would have been an interesting and probably a more well-balanced approach than where we eventually ended up which is you know in the agency terms this is why i was like okay i'm done i need to get out and i need yeah. to yeah, I, I think also, Dave, there's very few good people. Reality, there's just very, very, <laughs> really, yeah. really, really, yeah. really good people are are like are in short supply. Like really good. I'm talking like top top of their game. Um, and you know, I've said I've said to you for um, you know one of my you know one of the great uh, benefits of working or, or having that kind of relationship uh, in the early days with IA digital was that um, I actually always felt that the team within the organization, yourself, Ian, Luke, um, that core team back then, you know, I, I thought you guys, I, I felt if I was going to give credit, actually, you guys as a team were, were really, really good back then. 
as, you know, just a really good collection of people. Yeah, like, we like, were lucky. Four, yeah. four or five people, you know. Yeah, we were lucky. And and it's interesting that, that, that one of my other regrets is that when we're, I was at a software house called Immediacy, which is when I first met all those guys, I, again, I, I kind of said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done here. It's not for me. I'm, I'm done. A bit like you did with Clockworks. I don't agree with the way things are going. Um, yeah. Should have shut up, set. right? Yeah, yeah I, should, I should have taken the guys with me, really. I should have. Anyway, that's that's the past. So I'm interested in your thoughts over the future and sure. and, <clears throat> and and how you see agencies particularly changing. They're, they're, I hear this, I've got to be honest, I hear these slightly lazy um, uh, comments and assumptions that it's all cyclic. And yeah, yeah, sure, it is cyclic in terms of agencies becoming full service agencies, specialising and focusing on a particular vertical, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, we've talked about this and, and I know a lot of people who listen to this have, have, have had conversations with them about it. But but with the advent of tech, with the advent of um, the change in space in digital, where do you see, where do you see agencies needing to develop over the next uh, you know, two, three, four four years and, and yeah there are certain tech influences but there seems to be a propensity at the moment as an example for businesses to bring people in-house um, and build their own house where how, how do you see the how do you see the market and the space changing oh wow what a question yeah. that is i mean if Another i could one, see, crikey. if i if i could see into the future um mm. and predict it i mean i i greatest world in the world i wouldn't be speaking to you i would be sitting on a massive luxury yacht um, drinking champagne and, um, you know, going, wow, got it, done it, brilliant. And I'd have a lot of money in the bank. Um, but you know, but you know what, I do think, I, I, yeah, I get your point, but I do think we can look into the future. Because I think we can start, we I think start we for, a little bit. We forget about, we forget about what's at the centre of all this change. And it is, it is human beings. And, Human and beings. There are, yeah. there are there are things we can we, we instinctively know. But I yeah, your, I mean, I, I, I get, you your, get your point. I mean, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. I think yeah. in all seriousness, like, I mean, I've said that flippantly, but in, in all seriousness, um, where do I see it? I think I, I'm I'm a big believer that um, technology and the digitization of of things is going to continue to grow exponentially. Clearly, we're only at the very very start. I think um, of the impact that it's going to have. Um, that uncertainty um, is is an opportunity in some regards for people to who can think um, uh, more laterally. I mean, I think you know if you speak to most people, they would say that embracing <clears throat> some of the re most recent technologies and using that to improve the communication with customers is definitely going to be a space where agencies can play a part. What that looks like, I really don't know. Um, whether that is agencies become. I mean, I do see agencies. Uh, my kind of view, I guess, would be that traditional, if I can call them that terms, traditional marketing and creative and digital agencies mm. becoming the blurring of the lines between them and what I would call technology agencies. Okay. So, so agencies which are provide technological solutions for clients so typical mm. business technology uh, companies of which there are a number mm. that the, the blurring of the lines between what they do and what agencies do and the needs that the, the clients have blurring so uh, for example um 
there are uh, um, clients who are looking for a to, to deliver solutions for their customers or engage with prospect customers that requires technology to deliver that. Um, a really simple one would be, and I've seen this countless times, a client comes in and says, brilliant, when you'd help us to market ourselves and go, that's great. Um, so we start off with database, for example, of prospects, and then they go, could you advise us on a customer relationship management tool? And then you go, well, there's a whole bunch of those out there from Salesforce to HubSpot to Capsule to you name it. Yeah. yeah? yeah, yeah. Ton of those. Um, and then they go, and also we need help to kind of integrate that with our systems hmm. internally. And then you go, okay, cool. Well, this isn't actually part of what we would necessarily do as a tradition, you know, in traditionally from a marketing perspective or even from a digital perspective. Hmm. Um, and then they start, oh, actually, we're quite interested about having a live chat function on our site and you go, okay, cool. Well, we can help suddenly, you know, the, but this starts integrating with their internal processes. So it's not mm -hmm. just about an agency per se, helping to market a company, but also getting involved and brought into their, their technological solutions as well. So I, I see it threefold, really. I see it that I think there's a blurring of the lines between agencies. In my opinion, I think there'll be a blurring of the lines. I think there's an opportunity for agencies to become more technologically focused, whether that's, through partnerships, mergers, acquisitions, or whatever that might be, but I can see a blurring of the lines there. I also think that clients more and more are looking for, you know, there's so many entrepreneurial advisory groups now. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is because people recognize that um, there's always been, well, I'll say always, there's been business strategists that have been around for a number of years and different guys, and they'll go in and clients go, like, I need to take the business, I want to grow it. I want to yeah. grow it on double the size of the company, whatever it might be. And we get this a lot of the time yeah. with our clients. After all, why would you do marketing if um, if you didn't need more customers, right? So um, so the clients come in and they'll go, I'm looking to do this. Now, this, this blurs the lines between marketing strategy and business strategy. And I think the two yeah. are distinctly different. But what we're seeing more and more, I think, is this requirement for clients to uh, they're looking to transform their business or or evolve it or grow it and that is a strategic decision which actually mm -hmm. need business advice on so i can see more and more that the business advisory element and the marketing uh, creative and digital industries requiring some sort of crystallization there mm -hmm. i also think that there's a requirement for um data and the importance of data to be measurable and defensible. And, the, and I think that's something else that's going to cause um, agencies that the, the ones that can really understand and pick data become more and more and more important. Yeah, that's um, interesting. So that's, that's, that's my kind of, that's my kind of view on it. So I, I think, you know, technologically the, the requirement to be able to bridge the gap between the, the feely stuff and mm. the technical delivery stuff, I think it's going to become more and more important, the strategy in the business strategy, and then also the kind of data, um, that, that would be my view. I like, I like the phrase data to be defensible. That's a good, I like that, Dan. That's good, I might use that in the future. Um, the, um, it's interesting you talk about this um, agencies moving into this kind of consultancy space and, and um, you, talk, you mentioned earlier before we turned the recording button on around, you, you see this happening with uh, uh, businesses in other markets, accountancy firms, and um, mm. and 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 do you think? And I suppose that's magnified, isn't it? If you look at Accenture and 
EYA and those kind of management consultancies and McKinsey's going into the market and buying um, creative, creative agencies, right? And, yeah. and they've done that and IBM doing the same. Um, on, a, on, a, on a smaller level, do you ever see the, the, the kind of uh, situation where you might get a creative agency, albeit of, of any size, looking to looking to really take the plunge and rather than uh, as you were saying uh, kind of picking up uh being asked questions oh what, what can we do with this what can we do with that and responding to that even though it's not in their hot spot do you see a time coming where creative agencies might go okay we're going to pull in a service that focuses on business strategy and we are yeah, going to start to uh, yeah yeah fundamentally yeah. yeah i do i mean yeah. i think i think twofold i think where agencies uh, depends on the type of agency, but if I take mm. us, because I can't mm. comment on others, <laughs> if I take us, um, we're really good at taking something that's really complicated, i.e. a client wants to say a thousand words and put it and cram it into an advert, mm. which you've got to engage with someone in a millisecond and make them stop and engage with it. Or a website mm. where you've got what the average attention span of eight seconds, yeah? Mm -hmm. These things are, these things are agency challenges where we go, okay, as as a creative agency and, a, and someone who can look at complicated things and boil them down to their simplest parts, that's traditionally what all agencies have always done, right? This is going back over, you know, the last 80 years, agencies have taken complicated and made it simple. Mm. Now, if you look at technology, and I hate the expression user experience, but let's just mm. use that expression, user mm. experience. Mm -hmm. You know, when did a customer suddenly become a user? Um, if we take user experience. When did, when, well, when did a human become a customer? Well, exactly right. When did a human become a customer? But, you know, you don't, you don't go into a shop and hear people talking about user, you know, the user experience of the shop, do you? Mm. Um, but, but anyway, principally, engaging with customers, engaging with humans, okay, and making making those customers um, feel at ease and making it simple and easy for somebody, I think that's where technological companies would benefit from more and more creative input. Yeah. You know, lateral yeah. thinking, because I think where agencies have got a tradition is thinking laterally about how to solve a problem, coming up mm -hmm. with novel ideas to, to, to do that. Whereas I think technological companies typically in the past have, have very binary. Yeah, it's point A to B. How do I make point A talk to point B? So I, I see this as there's a requirement for both types of those skills. And so I can see that over time, for us, for example, um, we get sucked into doing some pretty major developments. Um, you know, we did the Capitan platform, worked on, worked on that. Um, from, from concept through to, to to delivery. And that is a global platform talking to sophisticated investors and, and deal sponsors, um, mm -hmm. you know, handling, you know, I think they've got 20 billion pounds worth of potential investment that's running on the platform today. Now, traditional agencies to deliver that require a lot of technical know-how. Mm -hmm. And so I think clients, you know, but, but there's this bridge between the technology and you know a technology company might deliver it and make it work but would it engage in the customers in the right way to actually get them to understand how the system works to be user friendly to make it easy to use so these things i think are where i do see and, and from a business advisory point of view most business advisors haven't got a bloody clue about marketing I mean, everybody's got a view about marketing <laughs> yeah but actually 
you know, you can have a view on it, but the people that have done it, that have been there, that have got the scars, um, yeah, I think there's a there's a huge opportunity there. And equally, you know, when we we client says I'm thinking about doing this, and you go, actually, I think you need to change your business model. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. an interesting conversation. And it's not one yeah. I've got any business experience really to be able to say to a client who might be selling widgets about, well, actually, I think you need to change your model entirely. Um, it's it's really interesting. I'm in a very similar situation with a client, a, a client's client at the moment. They've asked for, they've asked for some strategy work um, on a couple of channels and a couple of components. And fundamentally, I believe that they're, positioning and I'm not a marketeer a bit like you were just saying you know I'm, 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 I'm not a marketeer but I, I I think their their business their business model and the way they position it is wrong so if that's wrong then you're kind of just plastering over the cracks really um, yeah we had it right, recently it, we, we had it recently with client, um, so another agency approached us and said we've got this client mm. and they want to they want to do a load of SEO they want to do they want to get a load of leads and um, they want to um, they want to um, market themselves out there. Um, we're we're involved with them for doing a part of this. I'm not going to go into the detail of it, but I said no, no, no. Sure. I don't understand what their proposition is. I said it's really confusing. You can't tell me. They can't tell me. And unless you want to nail that bit right first, then I, there's no way we're going to deliver what they want because they want def- they want defensible. Talk about defensible. They want defensible delivery of of um, you know of customers. And yeah. I go, I can't can't do it. I'm really sorry. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to help. And I, but unless you get this bit right, it's just it's, it's yeah. going to fail. I mean, it's really going to fail. Um, and and, yeah. and so I think, but but that might have been changing the business model. And I think mm. that's that's um, um, that's something that I'm not necessarily positioned to be able to. I can I can I can give some advice, but mm. I'm not the person to do that because I think you need experienced people that have been there. Who can take them on that journey um, yeah. and advise them properly, and and that's 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 you know I think you need to have a, a, a much broader and bigger experience than, than than I can deliver. That's a great point. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. We've been going for forty minutes. Wow, that's a that's a long time, isn't it? Might um, be cut. Might be, might make some tactical edits. No, um, no, we're going to let it. No, it's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it roll and 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 uh, leave it as it is. But I think. Um, We'll have to do another one because there's so much more we could talk about, um, especially around this kind of blurring. I'm, I'm, I really like that blurring of different skill sets and actually much more than being an end to, you know, in the old days, an, a kind of uh, end-to-end service delivery agency, you know? Um, it, it's becoming much more nuanced than that and there are much bigger challenges, I think, now. Um, so I think it'd be great to talk a little bit more about that. But but just to, just to wrap up, because I know, you know, time is short for you as well. How, from 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 your going back to your creative roots what what have you seen do you think out there in the market that you've uh, or or in life in general that you felt ah oh, okay that's a really really good well considered thought out piece of work proposition message uh business that you've gone okay with your experience in the space, your experience in the market, it could be in any, it could be in any market, by the way. But you've looked at a brand or a business and gone, yeah, they seem to be, you, they've impressed you, as opposed to made made you go, oh, okay, I'm not sure about that. That just looks like a cheap, a cheap, a cheap shot. Is there anything you've uh, seen? Well, best best example I, I would use, and we do this when we do our workshops, is um, 
um, because we work with health insurance is vitality. You know, wow, we'll um, we're going to embrace technology to um, to reward customers so that the fitter they get, the less they pay. Yeah. And that's taking a model, that's taking a market, turning it entirely on its head, which is sold on, you know, kind of incremental increases because they have to, because of rates, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. uh, that is based on when something goes wrong, here's an insurance that's there for you to give you, I guess, cover and protection in that eventuality. Okay. Vitality have gone, we're actually like a club. Um, yeah. we're a membership, right? And actually the fitter you get, you wear a, you wear a fitness tracker and we're, we're, you know, record this information. We're going to turn it on its head. And I think those examples there where might be that, or we've talked about this, Dave, cause you, you did a talk at, uh, uh, one of our events last year in lemonade in the U S yeah. I think there's, there's companies where they're taking technology and creating a value proposition for customers where we're making it better for you. Um, and it's distinguishable as well. Um, I think those are the ones that I think will, will ultimately in the long term will win out. Um, and, um, like those are the ones that really impressed me. I think I'm really interested about the tech space right now. I think what, what Amazon are doing, and again, something you and I've talked about, I mean, a bookstore, which turns into a retailer, which turns into a, um, a home voice assistant that talks into, that becomes a, um, you know, a movie distributor, a TV program distributor and a music distributor. Wow. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, talking about, you know, blurring of the lines, when did Apple become a broadcaster? Hmm. Well, that, do you know what? I think you've touched on my, um, our subject for our next chat, Dan, I, I think, um, one, one could argue that, that, that the big four, well, certainly two of the big four have always been data, data driven, Facebook and Google, and, and Amazon are now becoming a data driven business, clearly, you know, with, with, like you said, the Alexa, the content, um, and even with AWS, which is, which I think accounts for the majority of their profit, um, is, is in hosting other people's sites. Um, yeah. and providing that tech and Apple of course with the content and also with you know the uh, the irony of Apple now um, really pushing the privacy angle recently is interesting as well but that but that's but that's for another day but I like what you said there that, that taking tech and turning it on its head and exploring exploring through tech yeah it's really interesting and yeah, you mentioned have, your... sorry sorry Dave go on go on mate go on, go on. well I was just going to say that who would have thought that you take a industry as old as TV mm. and you have some of the most up-to-date, uh, latest technology brands going, we're going to do TV. Mm. You know, that's well, just fascinating, isn't it? It just shows you how much um, how much potential future they see in content delivery to entertainment content delivery to consumers. Well, it's really interesting. Wanky, wanky publication alert. I, in The Economist, yes, I read that occasionally, um, they, they've been doing a special piece, a few pieces on that, on exactly that, on that, that content and the entertainment delivery, and they used a phrase you used earlier in the, earlier in the in in, in the, the the session, Dan, where Bob Igner, the, the chief of Disney, has said they are betting the farm on Disney Plus. There you they go. Are bet, they are betting the farm on Disney Plus because now they 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 got 
I believe, and this is just from memory from the article, they they got more data in the first week of Disney Plus going live on their customers than they have got for the last 25 or 30 years. Just through the content they were watching, the times, the you know, the exhaust of, of data that they got from people using Disney Plus. And I think that um, goes back to the point I'm making earlier. If agencies can start embracing the, the use of data and measurable yeah. data, I think it's you know, you can see where the bigger technology companies are and entertainment companies are going. So yeah. Um Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Um thank good you to speak so, to you, Dave. Thank you, Dan. That's super great. We've done forty six minutes and that is more than enough of our of your time. Um so just you mentioned that about a couple of, an event we did a while ago. You do quite a few events at Fireworks. So if anyone listens to this, you can go to their website and you can see what's going on there. They've got one tonight. So I hope that goes well tonight, Dan. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, look forward to catching up with you again at some point soon, Dave. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Dan. Speak to you soon. No problem at all. Cheers. See you, mate. Bye. 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 Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that. Dan is just brilliant fantastic i um uh, he never fails to um we never fail to have a hopefully have a kind of semi-interesting discussion when we talk and hopefully i can have have done on again so thanks to thank, thanks dan for, for 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 coming on board with that um a couple of other little little bits and bobs um my my need for humane tech uh discussion talk workshop at the bath digital festival seemed to go down surprisingly well so i'm running it again in the, in the new year First off is um, in Dorchester. It's my drive to get to get this part of the world where I live, um, get some momentum going in a creative and digital sense. So I'm running um, running it on the 9th of January. Dorset Council have kindly given me some space to to, to run it from. Um, it's on Eventbrite. Check it out on there. Um, it'll be on my website, and there'll be some stuff on LinkedIn. I'm sure. Um, I'm looking to do it. Um, I've actually been asked to do it another couple of places in the new year, so I'll send some more information out. Uh, out on that um thanks um for putting up with my nonsense over the last uh year or so um there might be another newsletter coming out before the end of the year and there might be another podcast coming out um between now and the end of the year but but thanks for um getting engaged and not cancelling the <laughs> newsletter etc so i really appreciate it um i do ramble but i hope i hope there's some some sense comes out of all the nonsense um so if I don't speak to you, I don't see you all um, individually or whatever, have a great Christmas and New Year, um, help your families and your loved ones and yourself have a great time and um, hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care.